What is happening, guys? Welcome back to another episode of the Fresh Hope for Better You podcast. As always, I'm your host, Aubrey Goulet, and I'm here to bring you some fresh hope for your day. As always, I want to start off by just saying I'm truly grateful for every one of you that tunes in every single week uh, and supports this show. And you guys have been leaving some amazing reviews, which means that my purpose of this show is actually working and I'm inspiring and making an impact on your lives. So I just want to say I'm truly grateful for that. Today, we have a special guest on here. Um, this man is someone that actually has just recently helped change part of my life, and I'm truly grateful for it. Uh, he is an Arte brother of mine. Uh, his name is Sammy Ferens. He is an Amazon bestseller, an NLP master coach, entrepreneur, veteran, John Maxwell certified public speaker. Uh, thank you, Sammy, for joining me today, and uh, I'm excited to uh, get into some awesome conversations with you, brother. Hey, thanks for having me, Oliver. I appreciate it, man. Yeah, I'm uh, I'm looking forward to this. That's uh, after just talking to you and uh, getting to know you even more, man. That yeah, I'm excited. <laughs> That's awesome. So, I want to start off with uh, you know, just tell us a little bit about yourself, who we are, where you're from, uh, you know, and just give us a little background to start off with. Well, I'm from outside of St. Louis, Missouri. Um. I am the happy dad of three kids. They're all grown up. They're out of my house. That's why I'm happy. And I'm super excited to be uh, now pop pop to three grandkids. So, uh, you know, that's, that's a blessing in my life to watch these. And they're all boys. Um, I've told the other kids, it's time for you guys to give me a little girl, you know, gotta, gotta have a little princess, but uh no, man, it's, uh, I'm super blessed in, in my family life. <clears throat> uh, great kids, great grandkids. My wife is super supportive in all my uh, crazy endeavors, because trust me, I've had a lot of them. And, um, you know, I got into uh, Arte about four years ago. And just, I, I, I'll tell you, and I, and I tell all, all RTA members this now, and actually any networking groups that I'm in. When I first joined RTA, I joined it the first year, and then I dropped out. And at the end of that year, I was, you know, people were contacting me, why are you dropping out? Why are you dropping out? And I said, well, dude, this is BS. You know, I said, well, Andy and Ed are supposed to help me grow my business. Andy and Ed, Andy and Ed. And I put all the, I put all the blame and shame on them. And then it was, <laughs> and then what I really realized is the power of Arte or any networking group isn't in the leader. That's, that's the leader. That's, that's, they give us great information and great things to do to implement, but the power of a, of a networking group is the group is the people. It's you, it's me. It's, it's all these other guys and girls that we know and we meet. That's the power of the group. And so that once I woke up and realized that, then I re, re uh, joined Arte and now I've taken full advantage of so many great people, you know, uh, got to speak at one of our Arte brothers uh, events, uh, just, just great connections and things like that. And so from the Arte standpoint, that's my Arte story. <laughs> <laughs> yeah no so i actually the uh that's where i first like i've seen you on social media and stuff with friends like that and then i met you at josh's event 
And I just want to say, hands down, you were my favorite speaker that day uh, because ultimately you helped me take action on something that I probably should have taken action on many years prior, which was reaching out to my sister who I hadn't talked to for over 14 years of my life. And that is because she kind of abandoned my family. And after you were talking about like, you know, forgiveness and letting go, that was something that like, that was like the first thing that came to my mind was that relationship with my sister because she's my best friend. And then it completely just went away as soon as she left her family. So after that event, I ended up reaching out and, you know, making, telling my sister basically like what she had done to me and not in like a hurtful way because I didn't want to, you know, hurt her feelings, but I just had to get that off my chest. So I just want to say thank you for that because you truly helped me make a difference in my life. Now I don't have that weight on my heart pulling me all every single day and it just helped give me a sign of like relief and knowing that you know now I said what's off my chest now I'm able to restart rebuilding that relationship with my sister so I just want to say thank you for that no man that's uh I I appreciate the kind words uh what I'll say is 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 you did the action you know and part of forgiveness is the action of it you know um before you I'll ask this before you called your sister to, to have that conversation. Did you, did you have that feeling of forgiving yourself first to looking into yourself and go, man, it's been, you said what, 14 years. Yeah. You know, it's been 14 years and she had her reasons for leaving. So I've got to forgive her for that and, and kind of step, step back away from that. And, um, did you, did you find yourself doing that in any sense or any way? Yeah, I definitely did because I held this like grudge against her, like, and never really looked at it from her perspective because ultimately the only reason she truly left is because she was hurting deep down herself and it had nothing to do with me. And I kind of like for a while, I thought it was maybe because of me and stuff like that. So it was just like, no, it wasn't. I had to come to the realization and forgive myself because it wasn't my fault that she left. It wasn't any of our faults. It was her own doing with how she felt about certain situation that she was in, even though we had an amazing, you know, childhood growing up and stuff, she still felt the need that she was meant for something else, which I had to come to terms with and realize that, you know, this is my life and that's hers. So I can't hold that against her. And I had to forgive myself because I do put a lot of things with me having a big heart. Like, what if I'd done this differently? What if I'd done that? But ultimately I can't control other people and what they do. So I definitely had to come to that realization of forgiving myself first. Well, here's what I'm going to say. Audience, <laughs> go rewind this back like two or three minutes and listen to everything he just said, because that's the reality of our life. We, we can't go back and change anything. We can't control anybody else's feelings, thoughts, or actions, you know, and we get tied up in a world of blame and shame. And it's only when we forgive ourselves and, and come to the realization that, hey, I can't change her. I can't do this. But what I can do is pick up the phone and reach out and let her know, hey, I still love you. I'm still there. And uh, how, how can we move forward? Because you, you can't go back, but you, how, how can we move forward? And that's something that a lot of people have a struggle with. Uh, they can't find they for first off, they don't understand that you have to forgive yourself first. You know, you have to see where your blame and shame came into it. Uh, um, and that's the way the forgiveness starts. 
And a lot of people don't want to admit that. They don't want to say, hey, I was part of this. You know, so seriously, uh, audience members, go back and listen to the last couple, three minutes of what all Oliver just said, because that is the most truth, the most truthful thing you'll probably hear uh, today. And, at, and I, I applaud you in so many ways for having that strength and courage to do that. Yeah. And before this, before we started recording, we were talking about it and the fact that, you know, you said I might not have been ready for those 14 years. And that's truly because I wasn't. And that's because I used to play like the victim card. And until I actually read the book, Extreme Ownership and realized that, you know, my life is totally in my control, all the wrongs, all the rights, like I have power over these things and accepting ownership of it was ultimately like the only way I was ever going to be able to do that part of it. Because if I hadn't started accepting extreme ownership of my life, I never would have put my ego aside and reached out. Even if I would have heard your uh, speech and I would, that would have hit me, like it wouldn't have hit me that way because I wouldn't have been accepting ownership of my life. And I feel like that's so, a lot of things. A lot of people struggle with that. It's just accepting ownership of your life. And like you said, like, you know, all it takes is, you know, making that phone call and reaching out. And even if it doesn't go the way that you expect it to, the, what, what I'd recommend is don't have any expectations. You do this for yourself to like get it off your chest. Like I did. I wasn't expecting my sister to break down and start crying and apologize and do all the thing. I wasn't looking for an apology out of her. I started the conversation off. I was like, Tiffany, I'm not looking for an apology. I just need to get this off my chest because this is how I felt. And if you want to, you know, try moving forward with this, with our relationship, I would love to, but if not, it's totally fine. You're living your life. I'm living mine. So just going into something like that, if you're going to make that call that I know every person that listens to this podcast, there's someone that you need to make that call with, go into it without having expectations because expectations can lead to you feeling shitty afterwards if it doesn't go your way. So just doing it for yourself and get that off your chest is what I would really recommend. What would you say about that, Sammy? I, I can't say much that you didn't just say. Uh, again, audience, go back and listen to another two minutes. <laughs> Oliver <laughs> Oliver is bringing the heat, guys. Uh, I'm going to tell you. And how, how old are you? I'm 26. 26. For a 26-year-old male, man, uh, to have this many, uh, man, to, to just be on life's greatest journey right now. You know, and that's what I hear out of you. you you're, you're not waiting. It, it's a, uh, you know, I'm 49 and, and it took me till I was 46, 47 to, to come to these same life, uh, life lessons that you're going through right now at 26. And, and man, I, again, I just applaud you for it because what you're doing right now is affecting so many people just even without the podcast, just your actions and, and what you've done, because I'm sure I'm not the only person that you've talked to about this with your, you know, what happened with you and your sister. And it's knowing that you did this, it, it gives an opening for somebody else to do it, you know, and you saying on the podcast a second ago, you know, hey, guys, if you've got somebody you need to reach out to do it with no expectations. And that, he's so right. I mean, that's Again, that's where that ego, and you, and you even said that, our ego will hold us back because we don't want to feel that shame that I did something. 
or the blame that we know that we did do something, but the reality is this, we can't go back and change it. We can only move forward. You know, uh, me and my sister are in a tiff right now. I haven't talked to my sister um, in 11 months. 11 months I haven't talked to my sister. And she did something not to me, but it was below the standards that I hold for myself and those around me. And it was, it was really way below it. And I called her that day and explained my feelings and said, um, you know, what you did for me right now is unforgivable. You know, that doesn't mean I won't love you. It doesn't mean I won't think about you, but for right now, I need time. And, and at this, and in that she said, well, I need time too. And so what we found ourselves in was kind of a, a, a door that just ain't been back opened, you know, and I set a boundary that day. You set a boundary 14 years ago when your sister left and it's, understanding that it's a boundary it's a wall but it's okay to build that door and you built the door at you know between reading that book and then listening to me speak and you open the door up but it's still a door so you open it up you left no expectations fortunately it went great for everybody it's not going to go great and that's okay you can close the door back and know that at least you tried you know, and for that, that you forgave yourself, you tried, maybe it didn't work out, but at least you can still keep moving forward and know it like, and, and know at least, hey, I, I put my best foot forward. You know. Exactly. No, that's, that's literally it right there for everyone listening. I mean, go back and listen to that again. I mean, I can't say it even better than Sammy just did. With that being said, I mean, basically, we've just been talking about a lot of the topics that you cover in your book. And I want to say, like, with me being 26 and me having this mindset and stuff, it goes into one of the five um, <clears throat> positions and power that changes start that to start that you talk about in the book. And one of the things that I can give a lot of uh, value that I get from is evaluating my environment because I wouldn't have the mindset I do today if it weren't surrounding myself by people like you and other our team members and in the self-development space and other stuff like that I've been called an old soul in a Chippendales package because they see and hear how I talk <laughs> I'm 26 years old and that was just something funny it's just because it's like I don't know. I'm here on a mission. And ultimately, like, I know that I can't be like the average 26 year old the way I think I have to think differently. And it's all just come from, you know, reading people's books like yours, Broken Gratitude and, you know, Extreme Ownership and all these other books that just really help shape my mindset. Uh, so I want to dive into your book. Well, congratulations on becoming an Amazon bestseller, by the way, Sammy. Mad props to you, man. <laughs> uh, Broken Gratitude is phenomenal man i i love that book it's a very short read but it is such a powerful book and like you guys have heard from this conversation how much it's done for me by this this book like and that's why i'm always preaching like most people don't pick up a book after high school i didn't pick up a book in high school basically <laughs> until you know five years ago <laughs> when i started my self-development charity it just kind of was like man i probably can learn from these people they kind of you know wrote about their whole life story and i can avoid all these 
issues and problems in my life if I just read books. So if you guys want, I will have uh, Broken Gratitude linked in the show description because I highly recommend it. Um, it is a very easy read, but yet it is super powerful and there's so many great takeaways. So yeah, let's yeah. Uh, let's dive into the book a little bit. You had talked about how one of your mentors is your mother. Uh, your mother had polio. Uh, tell me a little bit about, you know, your upbringing, you know, why you decided to uh, basically have her as your mentor and why, you know, you look up to her so much, Sammy. Well, uh, for one, thank you so much for the props on the book. I appreciate it. Uh, definitely didn't expect it to be number one. <laughs> so that's this blessing from everybody that's gotten the book and, and gotten stuff out of the book. Uh, my mom, so she had, she had polio, so she lived her life in a wheelchair and I didn't, I didn't under, I, I could fast, I could, uh, rewind and go past her whole life and all the lessons she taught us. But here's what I, here's what I know. Our house had 10 to 15 people in it from 5 AM till 10 PM at night, every day. Didn't matter what day, there was uncles, aunts, strangers, neighbors. I mean, people would just like our house was it. And it was because of that giving heart that my mom had, you know. And as a kid growing up, to not, because there wasn't a lot of alone time. So I didn't get to, the, the times that I did get alone with her, man, they were the world. They were just, you know, magical. Because he didn't get a lot of it. But I think now I can look and say, well, that was part of the blessing because she was showing me that, you know, um, you mean so much to everybody, you know. And so it was that giving force that we'd be walking through town. I'd be pushing her in a wheelchair and she's saying hi to everybody and, hey, can I help you or what? And this is a woman in a wheelchair and we were poor. We, we wasn't, we dang sure didn't have no money. But she would see somebody and it was like she knew if somebody was struggling, it was, hey, hey, pull me over here for a minute, you know, and she'd see somebody out on their porch and talk to them and and just like uh, embrace their energy and and make it positive by the time she left. And she had told me once a long time ago that she said, Sammy, just just make everybody smile. Somehow, some way, just, just try to make sure everybody smiles. And I was like, okay, <laughs> you know, and again, being a kid, you're like, yeah, okay, crazy mom, you know, but that was her gift. That was, that was what she gave to the world. And I didn't realize all of these gifts that she had given me. I didn't even realize she was really my mentor uh, until the Friday, uh, it was Friday, uh, June 27th, uh, 2008. She had got taken to the hospital. Uh, at that time, the polio had advanced. She uh, found out she had liver cancer. And she also had hepatitis A from a blood transfusion 25 years earlier. And so needless to say, she wasn't doing good. But that night, I got to spend the whole night with her. Just me and her, nobody else. And I asked her the hard questions. I... I we spoke about things that you just don't speak about. And, and it was a lot of how did you live your life and are you happy with it? And, but one thing I asked her, I said, well, if you could go back and change, like if you didn't have polio and 
and your legs worked and you know like what would you have done as a kid what would you have changed and and she looked at me I'll never ever forget this and she said Sammy I've thought about that throughout my life and here's what I'll tell you I wouldn't have changed anything I would have done nothing different the way she looked at the world was she was in the hospital pretty much till she was like 12 or so. And she goes, I got to meet famous people. Like people came to see me. I was the star and she's naming all these people from like the fifties. I don't know who half of them was, but she got to meet Elvis. She got to do this and that. And, and she's like, I had an awesome, amazing life. She goes, if, if I go back and change it, I don't have you. I don't have your sister. She's like, I'm, I wouldn't change it. And I just, that was so eye-opening to me that somebody that literally spent their life in a wheelchair, financially, we were, again, this, this very poor. And she thought that was just the biggest blessing in the world because it wasn't about the stuff. It wasn't about the money. It was truly about just the gratitude she had for life. You know, and I'm like, man, that that's just amazing. I wish I wish everybody had that. And that Friday night, that's what I'm thinking. Man, I wish I had that. I wish everybody I knew had this this feeling of gratitude of life. And then fast forward to the following Wednesday. And uh, unfortunately, that was the day that she she passed on. And in that day, I was holding her hand when she passed. And, and I, I felt that gratitude and it was that gratitude in that moment, my mom could walk, she could run, she could drive a car, she could do everything she couldn't do here. And she had completed that life of gratitude by now being able to do everything. And so that's when I really knew like, this is my mentor and the gift that she's given me is to spread this this gratitude and understand that you are the most powerful thing on this planet. You know, every one of us, you are the gift of gratitude and embrace that, you know, cause that, that's what God gave us was us, you know? So, uh, yeah, that was my mom. <laughs> Your mother sounds like a magnificent woman. And to touch on the part where you said like, you're never alone and stuff. My mom and dad actually foster care for 15 years because they thought that they were told they were never going to be able to have a kid. And then after doing foster care for like 15 years and adopting four kids, out came me as a miracle child that was never supposed to be here. So, and they continued to do foster care for most of my childhood. So I was always having people around and like, it wasn't until I started to really like dive into self-development and stuff that I like reflected back in my childhood and just saw how much my mother like did for other people, like taking in other people's kids doing foster care like my parents are like angels for what they've done and the fact that all five of my other siblings are adopted uh it says a lot about who they are as a person and something that my mom has always told me you know, since i was a little kid when i was upset and stuff she'd tell me look at, at life with the half a glass half full mentality like it like it's never ended it's never going to be done until you say it's done, like you have opportunity, like you are in the most powerful position right now to make a change. And my whole childhood, I really like just thought it was all a bunch of bullshit. 
but it's the truth. It's like, you can always look at the brighter side of things like your mother did, even though she was confined to a wheelchair uh, and had, you know, so many struggles and stuff, yet she was so grateful for the things that she did have. And that's something like with my mom, like I'm always trying to push her to like, you know, become healthier and do all these things and stuff and like that. She's like, Oliver, I'm grateful for the life I've lived. I am so grateful. I have more than I ever thought in my life. I have a loving family. I have grandkids. I have all these things that I never thought I was going to have. Like, I'm going to continue to live the way I am and you can, you know, live your life. And I'm like, yeah. So I quit barking off that tree trying to get her healthy and stuff like that. Because <laughs> she, no, she's not going to change. And it's just like, yeah, I can say all these things, but she's not going to want to change. Like, that's who she is. And she's grateful for everything she has in her life. So I can relate to you on that. And like, I don't, I guess my mother is a mentor to me too. Um, I, that's the first time I'm really like looking at it like this is because all the like I am who I am today is mainly because of my upbringing and how my mom allowed me to look at the world and what she saw. And I've just kind of added like, you know, little touches from like our mentors like Andy and Ed and all these other guys I look up to in the books I read. And it just kind of all works together in helping create the, the version of myself that I want to be. So thank you for sharing that because ultimately I never really looked at my mother as my mentor, but she actually is. Yeah. So appreciate and, and that. And it's cool that you, that you're looking at her that way, because even now as an adult, you know, you're, you see better in your mom, you know, and, and we always do. That's, that's part of growth. Uh, as we grow into uh, more successful human beings. And I don't just mean uh, financially, I mean, just as human beings. And I think it's really cool that through her saying, Hey, look, I'm, I am so grateful for the life I've got. And this isn't even what I thought I would ever have that that's, that's flowed over into you. And yeah, that's, that's the mentor part is you allowed that to come over to you instead of going, well, God, mom, you're a piece of crap. You could be so much better, you know, but no, no, you just want to live this crappy life and blah, blah, blah. you didn't do that. You said, I'm super proud of you then. I'm super grateful. And you know what? Because of you, I get to live my life the way that I want to and feel great about it and feel grateful about it and uh, again, that's something that a lot of people don't step into. They want to find that blame, you know, or the, how many, how many people have we ever heard that, you know, oh, well, my mom and my dad were alcoholics. So that's why I'm an alcoholic, you know, or I, my mom and dad were poor. Or my family was poor. So that's why I'm poor. And it's like, you don't have to be that way. You know, the, our parents teach us lessons and it's what we take away from those lessons. My dad was totally opposite of my mom, you know, completely 100 and 100%. He was a total opposite. He didn't uh, work and he didn't, he, he, he wasn't a dad, you know, and I, I, at the, at the event there, I don't know if I spoke a lot about my dad. I think I did. <laughs> I've done a few speeches yeah. since then. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's one of those, like, I've never thrown a ball with my dad. I've never went fishing or hunting or camping. And I played all sorts of sports and he'd never watched me play one game or anything ever. And, it, and I thank him for that. And I literally did thank him for that 
because I don't know if he wasn't that dad that didn't care that I don't become the dad that cares so much, you know, and, you know, my son, he's 30 years old and he just got back from a trip to the Grand Canyon and all. And who's the first person he calls me. And he's like, Oh my God, dad, this and this. And we talked for like an hour and a half and he's telling me everything. And man, me and you got it. And he's saying me and you got to go, you know, and I wouldn't, I wouldn't even dream to do that with my dad because I, I, it was never there. I couldn't even get him to go out in the yard, and throw a ball, much less go to the grand Canyon, you know? So, uh, you know, it's, it's taking those lessons from our parents and instead of placing blame on them, it's, it's embracing what, what we did learn and what lessons we want to take away and which lessons we want to leave left behind. No. Yeah, exactly. Uh, it, that, that ties into like, you, you know, on your book, the five positions uh, and powerful changes to start, like evaluating your environment, just because your parents were, you know, alcoholics, drug addicts or poor, that doesn't mean that you have to be that way. You can look at it from a perspective like, okay, I see my parents, they struggle with this. I'm going to go this route so I don't do that because I've seen what that route leads to. And that's ultimately like how I look at, you know, my past with me being an ex-drug addict and stuff. Like I saw where that path was taking me and I was like, that is not the route I want to go because ultimately I know I'm meant for more than that. And so I'm going to choose this path. And my parents weren't alcoholics by any means, but they definitely were poor and we didn't come from any sort of money. So my biggest thing is, okay, I'm going to be different than that. I don't have to fall down that line. It isn't just because your parents are poor that you have to be poor. It is your choice. And that all comes down to like, you know, you are the sum of the five people you spend the most time with. If I spend my time with five drug addicts, I'm going to be a drug addict like I was. If I spend my time with five people on a self-development journey that are entrepreneurs trying to make a difference in the world, guess what? I'm going to become that sixth one, which is why like having groups like Arte and stuff like that, and just any kind of support group, like whether that be you wanting to just start going to the gym or something, guess what? You hang around a bunch of people sitting around playing Xbox, smoking pot all day. The chance of you going to the gym aren't going to be very high compared to you start getting associated with people in the gym and start hanging around them. Like you talked about that in your book. Like you, if you, you're not going to end up being anything worthwhile. If you, you know, just sit around and smoke pot and play video games, you're going to become that person. <laughs> if you do that, that's literally what you said in the book. And it's like, that's the truest shit right there because you will. And I've personally, I've done it and I know everyone has, it. you've experienced it. And I know everyone talking has experienced it, even though you might not think that it might have that big of an impact. Your environment is literally everything. Oh yeah. It's, and this is, and again, this is a very hard thing for a lot of people to understand is in the book, when I say you got to change your environment to change yourself, that doesn't mean that the five buddies that you hung around with that smoke pot and played video games that you say, F you guys, screw you. I never want to see you again. And I'm out and you leave and you say, okay, well, life's going to be better. No, they can still be friends. They can still be acquaintances. They just can't be in my immediate uh, surroundings all the time. And, and I can still love them guys. And I just have to love them from a distance. You know, just like my sister right now, I love her from a distance. I don't agree with something she did. That's my life. I'm okay with what, what boundary I set. 
and she's not allowed in my five, you know, and you're going to have different uh, per se sets of five in, in different aspects of your life. In a, in a business life, you want to be around five kick-ass, awesome business owners that you know you can learn from. In your gym, when you're working out, well, hey, I've got five workout buddies, you know, and these are my guys and they push me and I push them and we come up with different diets and workouts and and we we kick ass together there. If I'm back when I was doing jujitsu, I had five jujitsu people and it was, you know, these are my people and we talk jujitsu, we bleed jujitsu and, and that's life. And so, and I think that gets lost a lot of times is we feel when they hear, when, when people hear, Oh, you, you, you are the sum of the five people you hang around with. It doesn't have to be the same five, like the same five business owners aren't the same gym guys and the same jujitsu guys and the same, you know, whatever. They can be different people, but it's being present in that moment. Like when I'm when I'm in business mode, these are my five. When I'm at the gym, these are my five. You know, if I want to screw off and shit out my life and screw up things. Well, hey, I got five guys that play video games and smoke pot all day. I can go back to them. Or I can just call them on the phone and say, hey, man, how's things going? Talk for a few minutes and go, all right, man, talk to you later. And that's okay. You know, you don't have to cut them out forever. They just can't be your direct crew, per se. Yeah, exactly. Because I know, like, when I was going through that transition of having to leave my old friends behind, like, I grew up with these guys. I went from from fourth grade till I was about 21 years old. I hung out with them every single day. You know, we smoked weed, we party, all this stuff. I didn't just call them up, be like, yeah, fuck you. I'm not hanging around you anymore. Like, you know, it was more like, okay, I'm going down this path. I still love you. If you need anything, like, just let me know. But this is my main focus. And they went their path. And, like, I think that's something that a lot of people struggle with is, like, they don't realize that you can love them from a difference because guess what? All five of my day one best friends, I can call right now. They'll answer the phone. We can have a 20 minute conversation. We can, I can be like, Oh, I'll talk to you later, man. And boom, there it goes. We can go months without talking. Guess what? I can pick up the phone again and call them. Like we never skipped a beat because it's not, you're not like just getting rid of them. And that's something that so many people struggle with is, you know, thinking that these people are going to never be a part of the lives again. Like it just, you can't have them in their, in your proximity. Like Ed Milet always talks about like the closer they are in your proximity, the more power they have over you. So having different yeah. groups of you know, the five people is the biggest difference maker. And I found that within myself, it was like, yeah, it was lonely when I made that transition and I hang around those people, but then guess what? You find your next tribe of people that you want to spend your time with. Like Andy calls it no man's land where you know, it's that grace period where you're still trying to figure out like, who's your next tribe to join. And like, I actually got stuck in that no man's land for almost a year until I decided to join Arte. Like I saw the opportunity, like a month after I was kind of in no man's land. And I just didn't seize that opportunity because I didn't think I was worthy enough to be a part of Arte. Cause there's a lot of badass motherfuckers in Arte. And I just was <laughs> my ego. My, my ego was one thing that was in the way. And it was also that I was like, dude, I'm a small fish in a big ass pond. And I don't know if it's even worth it or if I'll get accepted. And then it was finally like, I went to the live event in St. Louis or in uh, Nashville. And then after that, I was like, these are my people. This is my tribe I need to be a part of. And I joined. And then I kind of spent a little bit of time, like not really like, you know, engaging very much in the Facebook group. 
And then after hearing Andy and I'd be like, it is about the people. That is what this group is like about, which is what we talked about earlier is the fact that it is not just about Andy and I being our mentors. It's the group. It's the people that they connect because they all think alike like Andy and Ed and guess what we all join the group because we're like Andy and Ed so why wouldn't we connect with all these other people and I kind of like you know played it slow and like didn't really reach out but then after hearing that so many times like yeah fuck it I don't care I'm reaching out to as many people as I possibly can I'm here for a reason I want to make the most of this group and so be it and now I get to have amazing conversations with people like you Josh uh, Chris and all those guys like it's just been phenomenal since then yeah and and, it, and I'll tell you you said you felt like the small fish going into a big pond. Well, here's the reality for everybody listening. You always are going to start out as a small fish. And that's a good place to be. Because the small fish, the only way they grow is by feeding off things. And so you feed off of those big fish and you you get knowledge and understanding and lessons. And, and then next thing you know, you're one of the big fish. And then you find yourself going, well, damn, I need a bigger pond, you know? And then next thing you know, before you know it, man, if you, if you keep on that uh, ascent, before you know it, man, you're hitting the ocean and you're like, damn, look at these fish. Holy crap. You know? And, and I do think it's cool because even somebody like, like Andy, Andy talks a lot about it. Andy's worth what? Three, four, five, six, seven. I don't even know. $800 million. Like that shit that 99.9% of us dream about just to have that kind of worth financially. And he says, I'm still the small fish because he's still surrounding himself with bigger fish because he wants to go to that next level. And for him, it's not about money. He, he's, he While the money is just a, a play on it, it's going to happen naturally. It's about how can I become better? You know, how can I get to that next level? Well, you got to go find the people that are at that level and, and be willing to be the small fish again, you know? And it's crazy to most of us to even think of that. Like the guy's worth $800 million and he's like, yeah, I'm the small fish in this room. Yep. Okay. That's great. You know? And, uh, so that, that's a big lesson for people to learn is as you go and start transitioning in your life, it's okay. Tell your ego, it's okay to be the small fish in the room, to be the not most intelligent person in the room. You know, that's where you're going to grow. That's where, that, that's where shit gets done, you know, and uh, allow yourself that that life that the, allow yourself to uh again just step over that ego that's holding you back to hop in and understand you're not gonna know <laughs> like you're gonna walk in that room as a small fish and you're gonna be like i don't know what to expect and that's good you know so yeah it's, yeah environment no, that's... means a lot oh the environment is everything and uh the fact that you know like you were saying, like, like if you go into a room, like, and you're not the smartest person, that's a good thing. You don't want, especially if you're looking to grow and become better, you don't want to be in a room where you're the smartest person. Cause guess what? You have nothing really to learn. And that's something I've had to wrap my head around. Like I definitely used to put myself in rooms where I was the smartest person. I was wondering why I wasn't growing or anything wasn't changing. It's cause like, I can't learn anything. I can learn what not to do, 
but I've already learned that throughout my life. I know what not to do. I need to learn what to do in the next steps to get to me to that next level. See, now I, I have a little bit of a different take on that. Um, so to me, everybody in the room is the smartest person in the room. Because Oliver has lived a life that I haven't. Even at 26 years old, Oliver's done things that I haven't. Josh has done things that I haven't. He's lived a life that I haven't. He's raised his kids different. He's ran a business different. He's done things different. To me, everybody's the smartest person in the room. It's just a matter of who do I need to search out in that room to gain the knowledge I'm looking for to level up, right? Because I could sit here, I, most any room I walk into, I'll pretty well guarantee there is nobody that knows as much about drywall or paint as me. <laughs> but, but, the, but the room that I'm in, I'm looking to level up my speaking business, right? So, okay, well, I don't really need, while I'm the smartest guy in my area, in my field, I'm in this room because I want to level up that, right? But who's to say, while well, I'm not in that room, somebody goes, man, I got a, I got a freaking hole in my wall in my house and God dang, I don't even know what to do. And, hey, smartest guy in the room over here, over here. <laughs> Let me tell you how to do that. So it's allow yourself to understand that you are the smartest guy in the room. Just make sure you're in the right room looking for the right information, you know? Because even 26-year-old Oliver right now is, you walk into that room, I guarantee you know things uh, and you are an expert at things that other people in that room have no freaking clue about. But maybe that's the message they need to hear. So allow yourself to, 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 uh, to say, you know what? Yeah, I am pretty damn smart. I know how to get out of drug addiction. And how many even rich, super powerful per se people are dealing with drug addiction right now and they don't know how to get out of it. But hey, here's this 26 year old kid come walking in the room, you know, and he sees goofball Jake over there who's worth $80 million smoking on a pipe and he doesn't know how to let the pipe go. And Oliver walks up and says, hey, dude, let me see if I can help you. You know, so it's always for me, it's I get the premise of, you know, don't be the smartest person in the room, but also understand that you are the smartest person in the room and you never know where your story is going to be somebody else's savior. That is very true. I love that perspective, Sam. That just really changed my mindset about that whole situation about walking into a room that I never really looked at it that way, man. Yeah. Smartest guy in the room, buddy. <laughs> in some we way, shape, or form, in some area. Yes, that is very, very true. Yeah. So another thing that you talked about uh, with the five positions is no more negative self-talk. And I found within myself, my when my life, like shit is not going right, I, I tend to beat on myself more than anything. And, and then after reading the book the first time, I it like, you know, it, it made me realize like, okay, dude, you, all this negative self-talk isn't helping you by any means. It's just hurting you. So why are you doing it? 
then I quit doing it for a while and then I'd start doing it again. Then I catch myself. And I feel like this is something that a lot of people struggle with is because anything anyone has ever said to me my whole life for me being growing up, being bullied, it's nothing that it's I haven't already told myself before. I've said way worse shit than anyone's ever told me to my face before to myself. And the fact that I've been able to overcome that and start talking to myself better, even when I fuck up and fail, because failure is something that everyone's going to experience in life, no matter what. And it's just the fact that if you can look at it from a different perspective and realize that, you know, you're learning from it and not beat yourself up too hard, just don't make the same mistake again. It's something that a lot of people struggle with. And I feel like that's something that really holds people back is the fact that they really beat themselves up so bad for certain things which all that negative energy inside of you is really hurting you more than it's helping you. Some people may think like, yeah, talking bad to myself, like it boosts me up, but that's, I, I think that's false. Personally, I think it does way more harm than it does help. What is your perspective on that? Oh yeah, most definitely. I, uh, so on Monday nights I've started, I go to a uh, addictions group and it's literally uh, people with, uh, overcoming addictions of alcohol, uh, porn, uh, drugs, PTSD. It's it's mental health plus addictions. And last night, uh, this the subject was around our wording, and I I kind of brought the whole subject up, <laughs> and it was because a person was talking, and they were like, "Look, I I just can't do this, and I can't that, and I can't, and I can't." And it was that constant battle that this person's fighting in their head that they've told themselves, I can't. And they've convinced themselves and it's become a habit of, I can't. If there was any one word to eliminate from your vocabulary, it is can't. There is only one truth behind can't. You can't go back and change the past. That's the only truth. Other than that, I, and I say it like this, I'm five foot six, 200 pounds, 49 years old, and I can slam a basketball. I'm going to need some help, but I can do it. There is nothing in this world we cannot do. Nothing. I, I mean, it, it is, it, I can't find happiness. Well, yeah, you can. You're just not looking in the right place. I can't be loved. Well, maybe you're not around the right people. It goes on and on. I can't, I can't be successful in life. Yeah, you can. Start reading books. Start hanging around different people. Start going to events. To events. Start, start allowing yourself to can, and it opens up a whole new world. Just, just can. And, and here's the other word. Can'ts, can'ts number one. I mean, eliminate can't. And understand that the when you like, and I still say it once in a while, you'll hear can't come out of my mouth. Um, but I catch myself so fast and I'm like, whoa, 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 rethink it, reframe it. Yes, you can. And what I do is I find myself going, oh, yep, yeah, okay, here's the solution. And that's in business, in business and in life, we use that word. It's such a great excuse. You know, hey, we need to go, we need to get over into the St. Louis market with our new product. Man, we can't get no trucks over there. We can't get the people over there. We can't, we just can't, we can't get the finances over there. Yeah, we can. 
but why don't we look for a trucking company in St. Louis? Oh yeah. Okay. Why don't we hire a hiring agency there out, outside of St. Louis? Oh yeah, I guess we can. There's always a can. And as long as you have eliminated can't, you'll find a way. That's the, that's the biggest thing that problem solvers understand. There's no such thing as can't. The second thing is try. Man, I'm trying. I'm trying this. I'm trying. I try. And you're either doing or you're not. It's as simple as that. Quit, quit trying because trying is, again, one of the biggest excuses of why you failed, why you didn't. Well, I tried. Really? Did you put 110% into it? Well, uh, yeah. So try is just an excuse word. So, so eliminate trying. You literally, life is. There's a positive and negative to everything. There's a, there's a, uh, um, an opposite. There's an opposite to everything. Everything in this world, everything in life, has an opposite. So that eliminates try. It's either yes or no, up or down, left or right. There is no try in there. But we love to use that word because. As long as I say try or I tried, I have a good excuse on why it didn't succeed, why it didn't happen, you know. And so uh, that's something that, again, as I as I show up to this uh, addiction group and I, I speak to a lot of veterans, that's what they I'm trying, man, I'm trying. No, you're either doing or you're not. You know, addicts, they they look at it. And I get it a lot of it's day by day, especially there at the beginning, man, I'm trying every day. I'm trying. No, dude, give yourself credit. You didn't try today. Did you do a drug? No. Then you, then you made it. You didn't try to not make it. You made it. Give yourself credit. Quit using try. You didn't try today. You freaking dominated today. You, you came through, you hit the goal. Now accept it and embrace it. And tomorrow, you're not going to try tomorrow. You're just not going to fucking do it. You're not going to do drugs again tomorrow. Great. You didn't try to not do drugs. You didn't. So allow yourself that respect and that, that power that you've built. And, and the only way to do that, eliminate try. <laughs> yeah, no, you're 100% correct. I found it within myself, like, I had to remove the word can't from my vocabulary because I was always giving myself that excuse that I can't do something. I can't do this. Or I can't do that. But simply just by taking that word out, it made me start thinking about different ways to solve problems and overcome obstacles and adversity in my life. And it's like, there's always a way to overcome it because it doesn't matter what you're going through. There's someone that's been in your basically exact position that's been able to overcome it, whether that be in a business relationship or just within like your personal self or fitness or anything. Like there's always a way to overcome something. It might not be like the easiest way. You might have to take that extra step to get there. But guess what? If you just take the word can't out, it makes that big of a difference. And then going into like with trying, like, yeah, there is no trying. There's only doing. And once you quit saying, I'm trying to do this or I'm trying to do that, like if you're actually doing it and taking the steps needed to get to where you want to go, that's all that matters. You are doing it. You're not just trying. So 
And like, I think when people say, oh, I'm trying to do this, it kind of gives them that excuse that like, no, what if this doesn't work out? Like they're just kind of giving them that plan B option, like, oh, if it doesn't work out. But the fact is like, I don't think anyone should really have a plan B because it takes away from the plan A. If you're setting out to achieve something in life that's worthwhile, like why give yourself that plan B route to go? And I think too many people have that, which is why they truthfully never pursue anything worthwhile and follow through with it and become what they're supposed to. Because I personally believe that everyone's meant for something great in their life. Someone you can literally achieve, like you said, you can achieve anything well, like you with the basketball. Yes, you may need to get on Greg's shoulders, but you could still dunk a basketball if you wanted to. And a lot of people just, they want to give themselves that alternative route to go when, you know, things might not be as easy as they'd like. But truth is nothing worthwhile in life is easy. Nothing that's ever been like, you know, life changing or help progress. My life has been easy. Like my life doesn't keep getting like easier, you know, with the more money I make, my businesses, more people I help. It doesn't get easier. I'm just able to handle it better. And it's like, you know, it's just because I've been put in tougher positions. Like if I were to be three years ago, if I were to have had what I wanted, where I'm at currently right now, it would have the stress, anxiety and all the things I'm going through would have absolutely crushed me because I wasn't ready for it and it took longer and I had to take other steps. I had to go different routes and figure out ways to get over these things. But if I hadn't have taken the word, I can't out of my vocabulary, I would have never have got there. And for example, my nephew, he's extremely overweight. He weighs more than me and he's 14 years old, almost 15. And I got him to do CrossFit this summer, take uh, do the kids class. And I basically worked with him one-on-one while he, uh, the other coach was helping all the other kids. And he's like, I can't, I can't, I can't. And I was like, quit saying that, dude. Do not say you can't. Stop saying that. You can do this. You can do that. And then I saw, like, when I said it to him, like, the third time, it, like, kind of, like, his eyes open. And then he's like, I can do it. And guess what? He did it. And it's just the thing that people, like, it's just the simple, like, taking certain things out of your vocabulary makes the biggest difference, especially around, like, mindset and just actually being able to achieve things in life that are worthwhile. And I think that's something that so many people struggle with. And if more people just, you know, removed, I can't and try out of their vocabulary, their entire lives to change. Because I know the day I quit saying I can't, you know, like you said, you catch yourself saying it from time to time. But as soon as I made that decision that I have to take that out, like it didn't really give me an option. It kind of gave me that zero option mentality. Like I have to do this now. Like I'm not going to say I can't. Because guess what? I can because someone else has already done it. Oh yeah. And if and it's understandable that we that we use the word can't and, and we try it, those words, it, people everybody has to understand that our brain has one function. At the end of the day, your brain has one function, and that is to protect you. So we grew up in a world with mom and dad and whoever else, uncles, aunts, grandparents telling you, you can't, you can't, you're too little. You're don't touch that. You can't touch that. Can't do that. Can't. And so we unconsciously, we learn that word by the time shit we're two, you know, but they're using it as a protective and guess what the brain loves to protect us. That's the number one thing that our brain does. And so then we'd get, we grow accustomed to it <clears throat> as that excuse as that guiding light of, uh, well, I tried, 
So at least our brain can say, hey, we put some effort towards it. Uh, it wasn't very safe. It didn't feel right. So we're done. But once you consciously eliminate that word, those two words, then your brain doesn't have that excuse no more. It has to find another excuse. Well, the other excuse is to solve the problem. Because if we solve the problem, we have taken away the danger. You know, so instead of using can't to solve the problem, we use can to guide us to a different way to solve the same problem. And our brain says, all right, I guess we can do this. Yeah, we're okay with this. But okay, you know, so it's understanding that this, this isn't an easy process to eliminate can't and, and I'll try. And, you know, it, it takes time and give yourself uh, patience to achieve that. But understand what the end result is, that you're going to have more success in your life. Again, it doesn't always have to be financial. Financial. You'll find that you'll have more patience with yourself, with your kids, with your family, uh, driving to work. <laughs> you know, it's now it's so funny to me because it really is. It's it's down to the some of the simplest things. How many times did we drive to work? And I know I used to do this. Somebody cut us off. And you're like, well, I can't believe that mother effort. And you're flipping them off and you're screaming, you're hollering and rah, rah, rah. And next thing you know, you're that that moment that nobody got hurt, nothing really happened. Somebody was just driving like a jerk ass. Affected your whole day. Because you get to work and now you're telling people at work, you know, oh man, I can't believe this guy. And he flipped me off and he's cussing and that. And then at noon, you know, at lunchtime, you're telling him, man, you should have seen this morning. This guy cut me off. I can't believe that son of a bitch. And, blah, 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 blah. and then you get home at night, four or five o'clock, you're talking to your wife or your husband. And I can't believe, you know what happened this morning? Da, 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 da. And this person and the, and the whole meaning behind can't, because it was such a negative thing, just controlled your whole day. And it's like, wait a minute. Now... Somebody cuts me off and I go, I can just wave. I don't let it emotionally affect me. Physically, again, nobody got hurt. It was the same result. And I can control the rest of my day. And I don't care about whoever that person was. I don't even look at their license plate. I don't care to look at them because I don't even want that impression in my head. And I can control that. So it's like, hmm, man, I'm so happy I got rid of Kant because I can believe he cut me off because I can believe he's probably a jackass. And that's okay. He can go be a jackass to somebody else. Cool. <laughs> no, so, I've been in that position, no doubt about that. But that goes into like what you talk about in the book, which is forgiveness and letting go. And yeah, basically guys, you guys need to go check out his book. There's no doubt about that. It's going to be in the show notes. So I highly recommend it. I give the book a 10 out of 10 on uh, my ratings. And I've read a lot of freaking books over the last years. And that one's got some great takeaways. Uh, I probably book I will continue because it's such an easy read. And you know, like you take an hour and a half out of your time and read it real quick and it'll keep refreshing. I'll, I'll read it probably every year. There's no doubt about that. Just because gratitude is such a powerful thing. 
And so many people like they want more out of life, but yet they aren't grateful for the things that they do have. And I just want to say, I am grateful for you being on here and I appreciate that. But I want to go into talking about your next book because, you know, you being an Amazon bestseller and stuff, you got to, you know, give the people more of what they like, right? <laughs> well, hey, I, and again, I appreciate it. Uh, so the next book is an ebook. So it's, it's going to, I'll have it available in a couple different places. This one I treated a little different as far as uh, right now, it's not going to be on Amazon. It's not going to, this, it's called Gratitude Blueprint for Business. And really, I I want it to be more focused towards the business owners, towards employees, um, leadership, you know, in in businesses. I I feel like a, a, a huge thing that's missing in our business culture is gratitude, you know? And so it, it, same deal. It's a short read. It's like 64 pages. Uh, it won't be out until probably, I don't know when this podcast will come out, but uh, this won't be out until probably later next week. But the premise behind it is I, w- I want to tell a real quick story. And I actually said this story at, at Josh's uh, event and it's me and a buddy of mine went to uh, Home Depot, bought some things, little bitty things, nothing big, went back out to the truck. My buddy comes out to the truck and he gets in and he goes, oh, wait, wait, I got to run back in. He takes his bag. He runs back in the store, comes back out a few minutes later. And I'm like, dude, what was that all about? And he said, oh, and he pulls out this little, little bitty thing. I don't remember what it was. And he said, they didn't charge me for this. So I went back in to pay for it. And I said, well, how much was it? And he's like, oh, it was like $2.40. And I'm like, are you kidding me? I said, dude, that's a billion dollar company. Like they've got systems in place just for stuff like that. Like they don't care that you accidentally walked in. This is a very good guy. And they don't care that you accidentally walked out of the store and didn't pay for something. I said, it wasn't even your fault. The cashier didn't do it. And he's like, Sammy, you got to understand this. It's not about the billion dollar company. It's about the fact that if I don't pay for this, the cashier doesn't have a job. The truck driver doesn't have something to deliver. The people in the factory that made this, they don't have a job. This one little bitty item that costs $2.40, I help people feed their families. I help people pay their bills. I help people live their life. And and I was blown away. I, I couldn't believe that he was looking that deep and had that much gratitude into these people that he'll never meet. Like, He'll, he'll never know these people. He wouldn't know them if they walked by him. But yet he was so blessed by the product and the service that they gave him. And I'm like, man, that is awesome. And that's the gratitude that companies are missing. To have that much appreciation for your clients, for your employees, and understand that these people are changing your life. Vice versa, the, the the sales guy is given a product or a service over to a customer. If the sales guy doesn't show up, the customer doesn't get the product. Man, I'm so grateful you showed up today. 
if the client buys the product, the uh, sales guys should be saying, hey, I am so grateful that you bought this product because now I get to feed my family this week. I get to pay my bills. I get to live more of my dreams. And it's to truly embrace that type of gratitude into your culture that it's it's overwhelming. Like the guy at work that gets on your nerves. Wait a minute. Why does he get on my nerves? Is that about him or is that about me? How can I find, how can I be more grateful that he's here? What does he do to help me make my job easier and better? You know? And so it's, it's really, it's based around implementing gratitude into every aspect of your bid of your business. And when that is done, you'll actually make more profits. You'll actually have a, have a, a happier client base, people that want to do business with you and only you, because you've made them feel so blessed to have been in your presence or have your product or whatever that is. Uh, and here, this is a big one in today's society. What if your turnover rate was cut in half? What if people actually wanted to come work for you? You know, and, and why, why do you want to work there? Man, then people, I mean, it's just, it's so addictive. Everybody's so nice and loving and, and caring and, and man, I'm just grateful to be here, you know, and that's something that not many companies have. And so it's like, well, we're at that time in our life, uh, business-wise, where something's got to change. And hey, why why not change for the better? So that's that's gratitude blueprint. <laughs> Dude, I'm very excited for that. Um, and that is so true. Is like you know, with the turnover, it was cut in half. And the only company that comes to mind when you talk about like you know, saying like, oh, why are they like being part of this and stuff? And that's first form. And that is because Andy makes it, the culture is so positive, uplifting. They hold themselves to such a high standard. And it's like, you can't talk to a single person at First Forms headquarters that would say anything bad about the company because there's literally nothing bad to say about that company. And that's because their culture is so positive and their turnover rate is like nothing, like barely anyone ever leaves that place. Like that's just because how phenomenal it is. And I do think that's something that this society is lacking and you know, a lot of people don't want to work, but they also like these companies don't make them really want to work because, you know, they don't have gratitude. And that's why I think Gratitude Blueprint will, uh, you know, help change more lives and help business owners, you know, absolutely crush it. You know, not only with just, uh, you know, making more money, but also, you know, creating a culture and an experience for the customers because people buy from people they trust and they know that they care about them. And that's one thing that I feel like a lot of big companies lack is, you know, the care principle is just caring about other people and their customer base. Like, yeah, they care about them to a certain extent, but in for first form's case, like, dude, they care about their customers so much. The fact that they'll send a handwritten note with every order, like that is so inconvenient for them to do, but yeah, it's so beneficial because I can't tell you how big of an impact that when I made my first order, that card meant to me because I'd never received anything like that in my life. And just the things that like, you know, companies will do for them to show that they do care because if it wasn't for, you know, me ordering the supplement, you know, that sales or the sales rep wouldn't have made money and been able to feed their families, you know, the truck drivers, all those things, like no one really thinks about that. They think so surface level 
and they don't see how much actually goes behind it from the point where that product is manufactured to the point it gets into your possession. How many people's lives are like, you know, supported by that interaction that you had. And I think that's something that majority of people don't realize because so many people just don't take the time to look at it or express gratitude for that. So I'm super excited for that book to come out, man. I cannot wait. Yeah. Have you, uh, have you ever been to the headquarters? Yeah, I've been there four times, five times now, and it's been a blessing every single time I'm there. Yeah, it really, it's, it's really cool. I've, I've went to a bunch of events uh, that First Forms put on and stuff, just, and even out in the events where these people aren't in their work area, like they're not doing their per se job, you know, they're off the clock. And these people are still, the, the first event I ever went to, we were doing a, a hike. Uh, I think it was like a 13-mile hike. I felt so welcomed. And and these people didn't know me. I was the guy that just signed up for the event because, hey, I thought it'd be awesome to go do the event. And I felt so welcomed. And it was just open arms. And they wanted to get to know you. And not just, hey, what can... It, it wasn't like a sales pitch. It wasn't a, a business thing. It was like true, authentic, uh, dude, we're so happy you're here. And like, man, you're amazing. And they, they truly made me feel that way. And so, yeah, it's first form is man. They're, they're amazing at the, the culture and, uh, just what they, uh, what they provide for people. And it's more than just a product. And I think that's what, again, that's the part they have a product and the gratitude comes with the note. And that's the part that people that a lot of companies, most companies are missing. They've got the product or they've got the service and Hey, it's great. You know, if first form didn't send out them letters, they still have awesome supplements. They still have some of the best protein products. They, they still have all these things, but because we get the note, it takes them to another level. That's the gratitude. Yeah. So, yeah. Nope, nope. I'm excited for the book to come out. Um, again, it should be out next week. I'm, I'm tweaking a few little things and figuring out some marketing on it before I <laughs> before I ship it out. I want since I'm doing it myself, uh, you know, I, I'm trying to figure out how to do the marketing stuff. So any marketing geniuses listening to this, uh, hit me up. <laughs> With that being said, for knowledge. <laughs> so with that being said, where can they find you, Sammy? Uh, you can you can find me on uh, my website is discovermentaledge.com. Um my TikTok, which <laughs> I know normally people don't talk about much in TikTok, but that's actually where my biggest following is. It it it's this mental edge. So mental edge on TikTok, you'll find me on there. Uh, I do, they're called mental minutes. I put out three or four of those a day. Uh, and it's just a blast. It's, it's a blast of inspiration. A, a lot of times it's a blast of truth that we don't want to hear or don't want to deal with. But at that moment, uh, we, you know, we needed to hear it. So, and uh, Instagram, it's uh, the underscore Sammy J. Yeah. <laughs> which I'm going to change that. <laughs> but for right now, it's the underscore Sammy J. 
So awesome. No, and I just to touch on the mental minutes, I absolutely love them. I'll see them throughout the day, day periodically. And I'm just like, it makes him really start thinking, man. So thank you very much for those. Those are something I definitely, definitely recommend all the audience go check him out on TikTok and Instagram. And then check out his website too. Um, make sure to, uh, you know, check out the book in the show notes below. And then uh, keep your guys' eye out on uh, Gratitude Blueprint for Business because I will be reposting it, helping do what I can with the marketing because I owe it to you for, uh, you know, giving me the time of day. And I just want to say I'm truly grateful for you coming on the podcast today. Oliver, thanks for having me, man. I, it's been a good time during the podcast and before. And, uh, dude, just continue your greatness, man. I, I'm excited to continue to watch you on this journey. And it's freaking amazing. Awesome. So, well. I really appreciate that, Sammy. Well, guys, that looks like that's all we got for you guys today. There's so much value in here. And remember to share the show because you don't know this could help change someone's life and you could be that connecting key. Uh, I just want to say, always remember, there's a fresh hope for better you. I love you.